0: Welcome back, or welcome to the Single Track Podcast. I'm your host, Finn Melanson, and in this episode, we're joined by Jeff Colt, ahead of the 2023 Western States 100. Before we get started, though, this episode is brought to you by Hoka, Rabbit, Morton, and Features. Head to the show notes page of this episode for new product releases and discount codes from each of our four sponsors. With that, let's get started. Jeff Colt, welcome back to the Single Track Podcast. Thanks for having me here in person.
1: Yeah, this is, uh, I would say this is a, this is a cool one. Um, Jeff's one of the few, long run archives guests. That's right. Yeah. Way we, back when. Yeah, we, that was an infamous one. Yeah, we we went deep into the weeds. Like that was probably one of the more like hotly talked about long run archives.
2: Yeah, I tripped Finn up and he got
0: called out on Twitter. It never it didn't end it's, there.
1: It's not <laughs> it's not over. <laughs>
0: it's not over. It's never over. But seriously, it's great to have you here you make the sport so exciting. And I think before we get into Western state stuff, one question I want to ask you, you've, you've played a pivotal role. I feel like in the last two to three years, popularizing the world championship team here in the U S and what are your thoughts on just how the team performed over in Innsbruck for the 80 case uh, a couple of weeks back?
2: I might rephrase that and say, maybe I played a role in the last like nine months. Nine months. Yeah. Um, last September I found out I was going to Chiang Mai and all of a sudden Innsbruck just happened. Uh, the men's ADK team crushed it. I was really excited watching them actually race live. I got a little ahead of myself because I did some wrong mental math, and I thought they clinched the uh, the victory again. But um, rightfully so, France ended up beating us this year the same way that we beat France last year by having a really strong runner off the front that mm. put a big gap on uh, on everyone else. The U.S. team... Um, it was so special to see them perform, to see Drew and Zach finish literally together, and Eric Lapuma finish a minute and a half after. I think it solidified the message I was trying to send that when you're racing for a team, it pulls a different, you know, different reach and different depth out of your your ability, and you're running for something greater than yourself. Seeing those guys finish that way was really special. Yeah. And then even the added
1: layer of, you know, the, the way that the race is scored with total time, you know, you have drew and Zach and Eric, like all in the same place. Whereas if it's going for points for places, they don't need to hammer it in like that, but then there's like every seconds on the line and just absolutely trashing themselves coming in. I think that's a super unique, like way to score the race.
2: Definitely. And Kudos to Zach Miller. I've always looked up to that guy. I still do. Leaning at the finish line, putting everything out there. Yes. I actually learned so much about aid station uh, management and like how to go through an aid station from Zach Miller. Watching his videos from Penaquillosa and mm-hmm. yeah, any of the uh, the grief he was getting, I think was pretty undeserved for for the guy that he is. Uh, leaning at the line in a 84 kilometer race. Yeah. That's, it all. that's not it all
1: the, uh, him. not the ultra lean that we're used to seeing.
0: Yeah. Is that going to be a focus for you in 2025? Do you think like looking ahead to Spain, that
2: would be so cool in the Pyrenees, like in Northern
0: Spain, right?
2: Yeah. Um, rumor that's has be, it. It's uh,
1: an even harder course.
2: Yeah. I believe it. That's, there's a reason that Killian's from that part of the world. It is vert on top of vert on top of vert on top of vert. Um, that would be really cool to focus on that in 2025. I think at some point here, I want to focus more on just really climby races and less on the, the much faster races, um, sites continue to be set on, you know, hard rock one day, but 2025 worlds would be so cool to be part of that team again. And I can only hope that there's, you know, an amazing collection of 40 runners going from the U S and that it's still fully funded because it's such a cool opportunity.
0: Does that put any added pressure on this year at western states for you knowing that you want to get back to that type of racing at some point like to really i mean you had a great race last year but still left wanting is there more pressure to like get it right this year and you know close the book on western states
2: i don't think the book will ever fully close on western states i'll continue putting in the lottery i likely won't chase golden tickets I don't think it's pressure as much as I'm going to approach this race differently than I've ever approached a race, and I'm going all or not. I'm, I'm not trying to get top 10. I'm trying to end up on the podium at Western States, and I've seen what happens when people blow up trying to do that. I know that that's a reality. I also know I do have many layers of governors uh, internally, and I'm hoping to override a couple of them to allow me to, mix it up and spice things up sooner in the race and stay in contention. I also know I am really responsible with hydration and nutrition, so I don't foresee an explosion on Saturday, but I do foresee me pushing myself harder than I have earlier on, and I'm excited about the opportunity to do that. I think when I reconsidered Western States last year uh, in September, I basically had a bit of a switch of thought and was like, I want to go back. I want to do what I know I can do there. And I want to go to Olympic Valley being fitter than I know I am. Like having no real idea of what I could run. I think last year when we talked, I said I can run a 1647 and I ran a 1651. (laughs) I want to like, no doubt be able to run sub 15. If, if Tom Evans says, uh,
0: 1428,
2: 1428, going to win. Cool. I don't, I don't want to think that I can't run that.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So um, that's a scary thought, but also really exciting.
0: Are you in the best ultra running shape of your life right now?
2: Yeah, and like speed fitness-wise, certainly. Um, going from doing zero speed workouts to doing sixteen, you know, weeks of speed workouts, speed's coming really naturally, which is nice. Um, I, I definitely feel. Like I'm in a place to not even, not even have a frame of reference for, for splits, yeah. um, to be running and ideally autopilot is quite a bit faster than, you know, one I'm comfortable with and two, what I was running last year.
1: Oh, it seemed like, so, uh, we watched your, your pre-race vlog, um, the last little training we'll to tidbits, it. which yeah, we'll link to it. Great, great video. Um, but it really seems like, you know, the last, I don't know, 12 months or so like there's been a like a new amount of seriousness that has gone into your running or just like you know the amount that you've invested into your training and improving you know getting a coach um like where was that like turning point and yeah i mean it sounds like it's been great but we'd love to hear just more about like what what that what the, what the new the new jeff colt has been like
2: why yeah. did the
0: why did the switch flip
2: yeah let's jump back to Post Black Canyons, I think I told you, like, where I found success going into Black Canyons was actually taking a step back from being a fan of the sport and, like, focusing on me as a holistic person and, like, Jeff as a human. And that kind of removed me from being caught up in the who's who and what's happening. And there was a lot of truth to that. Um, In August, I went down the Grand Canyon with a couple... Uh, friends from college and friends from, you know, different parts of my life. And the first night, we had this freak flash flood that scared me to a like psychological level that I didn't. It it fully flipped a switch hmm. in terms of me questioning a lot of things in life. Knowing like I was inches or seconds away from being killed in a flash flood, that had an impact of what do I value? What am I doing? how am I living? And how would I like to be living? And at that point on, I think I did a pretty strong assessment of like, what am I putting in my body? What am I consuming? Is that helping me? And I think one of the first things I questioned was just drinking. And it was like going from 12 to 20 drinks a week for like a decade or 12 years, kind of like from college onward, living in a mountain Mm -hmm. town. It's really easy to just be like, Oh, maybe I won't have a beer because it's Monday, but I'll have two on Tuesday and like maybe five on Saturday. That never did anything good for me. Mm -hmm. And actually asking why I was doing that and really taking like a little bit of control and initiative to at least be able to say like, no, I'm good and not really feel this social taboo around that. So I think that little switch was, um, on many different facets of my life. And one of them was my relationship with myself and that does tie into my relationship with like substance use. Yeah. Um, but I liked people thinking that I wasn't just a runner and I felt like I needed to put on a show to prove that in a way that like, Oh yeah, Jeff's like out partying super hard yet. Like the next morning I'd get up and go run 20 miles and, at some point i started scratching my head like it's it's not just the 500 hours of training i'm putting in a year it's the 23 years of accumulative training like i clearly care so much about this so why am i trying to make it a more marginal part of who i am or my identity and i still very much focus on me as a human like jeff as a human and really future jeff my future self is who I'm thinking most about. Um, that doesn't mean I can't embrace wanting to have success in running and having goals. And that's where I think my headspace on having a coach also changed. Cause I told you, you know, I, I do still kind of stand by coaches are overrated. Like I think there's a lot of pressure (laughs) for a lot of people to have coaches for maybe, you know, not, not necessarily the right reasons, but, in talking with my friend John Ray and Katie Scheid, both of them attributed a lot of their success in the last two years to finding a coach that really worked for them. And all of these thoughts coalesced into this. I want to go back to Western States. I want to hunt a cougar and go after it. And I want to check all the right boxes to do so. I'm still going to have you know my full-time job still be me still be the friend I know I can be and the partner I can be, but I want to live up to the potential of the runner I can be. What do you got off that?
1: Dude, that was such a good answer. I mean, I, I mean, this, this episode could end up being like three hours long. We won't, it won't. Um, but I guess to go off that, you know, talking about, you know, last year's race and, you know, leading into all the things that you're doing differently. Like, you know, last year's race, you, you, came off of COVID like right before like the classic MJ. You were compromised. Flu, <laughs> flu definitely game.
2: compromised and definitely got COVID at like a three hundred person wedding in New York where yeah. I like ate numerous bodega sandwiches at like four AM and like was, you know, out on the town.
1: COVID aside, was there any other like like I don't know, like glaring mistakes that you think you made during the race that you learned and are, you know, taking Addressing. that experience into this year?
2: Yeah. Um, the fact that other runners can run up devil's thumb and Michigan bluff and just do that without having to like stop, slow down, hike. The time I was losing on the uphills was significant Mm -hmm. and I've never been really strong on uphills. I've always actually just said like, that's all right. I'm strong in downhills. I'm strong in the flats. Mm -hmm. Like I can power uphills, but I've never been really strong at running them. And at some point I was listening to a CTS podcast and like they're talking about the just perfect, you know, overlap between fitness and uphill running. It's like, there's a reason that people who are incredibly fast and fit at track can run uphill fast, but they can't do the rest of the race. Like uphill running and fitness go one and poorly. Yeah. And I was like, that makes a ton of sense. I do zero speed work and running up hills is really hard it's like let's make it my thing to not hike a hill and in the last four or five months of training i probably hiked a couple steps but just really working at actually running all the uphills i don't think there was any major error i just think i had different a different vision and you know i told my crew five minutes give me the five minute warning if I've been in an aid station mm-hmm. and make sure I'm out of there ASAP. Yeah. No, it's a one minute. Yeah. Give me the one minute warning. And if I'm not out by two, like start assessing an issue, but mm-hmm. there's no like 45 minutes of aid station top stop this year. You know, there's yeah. 15 aid stations. Let's try to keep it to 15 minutes. Yeah. Um. So that's a, a big area again that I think seeing how Zach Miller moved through aid stations, I was just like, whoa, I'm, doing this wrong. I should not tell my crew to bring a chair. I should not tell my crew to have these like creature comforts for me. Yeah.
0: Screw that. Yeah. I want to unpack your mission to get on the podium this year, because this is a conversation that Brett and I have been having all week internally. I personally believe we're getting into this era of the sport where you can no longer just be like an above average athlete and work hard to get on the podium. It, it, these really, truly talented runners are making less and less mistakes year after year. Brett thinks you're a freak athlete. Do you think that you belong in that classification of like the Tom Evanses and the Anthony Costaleses and these people with like 2.11 marathon pedigree? Or do you think like, yeah, like maybe I am like an A minus B plus runner, but like my work ethic and my mind can overcome, you know, their ability to just have like leg speed that I don't have.
2: I'd say it's probably middle ground. I, I still stand by the marathon being a bad, analogy for trail running. And I will continue to stand by that. I'd love to do like a tactical obstacle course with Tom Evans. I know he was (laughs) like served in the army and stuff or the military. Um, he'd probably whoop my ass, but if there were a baseline, like, all right, this is the, you know, trail 50 K course, or this is like the equivalent of a marathon for trail running. Um, I'd love to see how I stack up against those guys because I fully think that it's different biomechanics, it's different um, proprioception, foot strikes, different heart rate, all of these things. I work well not getting the rhythm. Like, yeah, that's that's, that's just point. where I'm at. Yeah, um, I had a great half marathon earlier this training block that kind of made me think like, wow, you know, I think 218, 220, that's actually not as out of the question as I once thought it was. Uh, that's what I've been saying. That's what I've been I'm saying. saying. I was like, <laughs> see, I've been I've been a Jeff Cole believer for years. <laughs> Thanks, Brad. I appreciate we all the are. support there. But I do think uh I do think there's something to also just being a smarter athlete, and I'm not saying anything about Anthony or Tom. They're both yeah. brilliant competitors and athletes, but I I put a lot into the visualization of the race. I put a lot into self belief. I put a lot into everything else other than running as well. And that's where I do think I can bring a maybe out of the ordinary performance to the table. I also respect this entire field and, you know, in my making my own fantasy free trail, cause I'll admit I'm a big fan of this sport. I really love it. Yes. And I always, yes. have. Yeah. I was like, wait a minute, that can't be right. I, all those names are already faded. I've haven't gotten like these four guys on yet. And then looked at it and I was like, oh wow. This is a really competitive year. It's a good race. And it's going to be deep. And I've had that thought going into other races. I had that thought going into Black Canyon in 2022, certainly, of this is such a deep field. But inevitably, something always happens. And I do my best to mitigate risks that that something doesn't happen to me.
0: When you think about this path to the podium and I know you, I mean, you've, you've talked about it all interview long. You are a student of the sport, the Zach Miller example of the aid station work, are there any particular Western States podium performances in years past that you've looked at and you can point to and say like, I've deconstructed that and like, that's the way I want to get onto the podium on Saturday.
2: I mean, I'd love to say, yeah, you know, Tyler Greenman from 14th to second. I, why can't I go from 11th to first or 11th to second or something? That was a different year and especially with what the forecast is looking like. Mm -hmm. Um, it's kind of exciting that Adam's not running. I wish Adam was running. I love Adam dearly, but the fact that he's not towing the line, it leaves a pretty wide open door. And last year that wide open door actually was a big problem for my plan of running a conservative. Like I'm going to hit the time that's going to get me in the top 10. Mm -hmm. All of these guys went out conservatively as well. And you know, at mile 18 I was in eyesight of the leaders like this isn't good I'm going quite slow and I'm behind the top women yeah um, I don't think that's gonna happen this year I think we've got a couple bigger egos on the starting line I think the snow is gonna throw some curveballs in general that's great for me I I feel like a durable runner I really like the snow if it was a hundred mile snow course I put, <laughs> I put money on me for sure. But, uh, oh, that sounds horrible. The, the fact that there's going to be mixed snow through Robinson flat and if runners are getting too excited and really trying to run too hard and again, have that marathon stride and not the dexterity and agility of trail running, I think that's going to be problematic for those runners. Uh, I think energy control and just working within yourself, not taking too long of strides or doing anything that's going to waste energy with the foot slip and snow is going to be key through that first section. And as I was just mentioning to Anthony, I think when it hits Robinson flats, it's going to be a really proper foot race.
1: Do you think, do you think there's a chance that like anyone like very intentionally just tries to hang on like course record splits just because of the weather, do you think we'll see anyone just full send from the start this year?
2: If they do, I think they might abandon that plan two miles after Emigrant Pass. I think it's, yeah. I mean, slipping and you know, a sim- single hip flexor like kind of yeah. uh, strain or overextension is is enough to like, oh, like never mind. My heart rate spiked. <laughs> like I've got to like reel it in a little bit. But I wouldn't be surprised if there are a couple runners out there whose strategy is to push the envelope early and try to just create such a gap that you know they could hopefully run free with it
1: yeah yeah because i remember when uh after the race last year we were chatting you were like dude i was like moving up really well but no one was coming back to me as fast as i thought um that was really interesting to kind of hear that because you were like yeah me and scott trail like we were hauling ass but everyone else also was and yeah um yeah it's interesting how that is kind of showing like there's a lot of the races are trending that way where it's like, you can't just bank on people really blowing up anymore. It's like, you got to sports getting smarter. Yeah. You got to pay attention a little bit more and you know, you can't just like, you can't let people go too much. It's interesting.
2: Yeah. yeah I, I do think the competition is definitely getting smarter. I also think, you know, history repeats itself and we're going to see blowups. We're going to see <laughs> it is uh, Western States. Yeah, after all. We're going to see, um, you know, some semblance of the carnage of years past. And it's a, it's a really demanding course conditions. Even if they are a high of 80, they're still not going to be easy. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's not cold. Yep. And with the you know mosquito fire burning through 15 miles of trail, you know, that's less shade cover. I think anyone who's kind of resting on, Oh, I don't have to worry about my like cooling strategy and I don't have to worry about the heat as much. Mm-hmm. I think that's foolish. I mean, that was, yeah, I think being cooler is always gonna be an advantage uh, unless you know, we're talking below 60 degrees or so.
0: Well, Jeff, it is such a pleasure to have you here. We always appreciate your insights on the sport. Very excited for your race, especially with that goal to get onto the podium. We do have one tradition that has only become a tradition as of yesterday, but we, we, have, we have faith that it's gonna be long lasting, that we want yeah. you to partake in. And I think we got our, our friend Ethan or Dylan here to, to bring it, it over. Uh, Brett, you want to provide some insight yeah, on said submission? Yes, so
1: this is, uh, this is the official watermelon of Western States. There's, a, there's two things that we're doing with the official watermelon of Western States. One, I guess you can start thinking about it now, but you'll have 15 seconds to draw your best cougar. Um, you said you were on the hunt for a cougar, so I'm sure you've been picturing what a <laughs> that cougar That guy looks right like, there. Um, like that guy. Yeah. So I, you have 15 seconds to draw your best cougar, and then we want you to sign it. Okay. This will be like, this is going to be the. Official I don't know, watermelon of single track HQ in Western states. And we're
2: carrying it to the track in Flaser High. I love it. I have an auspicious story about cougars if you have another minute. <laughs> but, all right. Is there a timer? I'll do it.
0: Three, two, one, go. Ten, nine, eight, seven. Fin count seconds really fast. Five, four. Three, two, one time <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, yeah. We had a couple, Brett. We had a couple folks in the YouTube chat that have been angry with us that we're not showing the finished product. This we, is a good one. You're gonna want to see <laughs> Yeah, that. it's so I can, mean, we, can we, it's, we put the camera on uh, it's well, it's kind of tough Brett's work of art here.
1: Oh, yeah. Here, why don't you hold hold that bad boy? Um, and we'll get a close up cam. Uh, yeah, you know, we all lift it a little bit. <laughs> yep, lift up. <laughs> There we go. Yep. Well, so we'll take pictures. We'll get some better pictures. They'll be on the, uh, the single track Instagram page. We're not saying this is Jeff Sistine chapel, but it's pretty close. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's not bad. I mean, I'm getting like major major, too. uh, lion, lion vibes. But, uh,
2: I, um, you
0: have a story for us before we go.
2: My like last real long run, like five, six hour effort. I tried to find snow and I purposely went seeking deep snow to post hole in cause it'd been a minute. And I realized I was in this zone that typically I run in with other friends and that it also, you know, was early enough in the season that I was starting to question if anyone had been out in that zone yet. And long run, okay, I spooked some elk. Okay, I spooked some deer. Big bear prints, baby bear prints. Okay, I see a bear. Still all is good. I come up around this little hump and turn and boom spook like a fully adult, you know, grown mountain lion, maybe 20 feet down the trail. And it like looks up and starts, you know, scurrying down the trail, but it's looking back at me and I know like, all right, I can't turn and run away. And like, I'm supposed to be as big and loud as possible. And I just summon this guttural, you know, primordial yell from my gut. And I scream so loud. And as I do it, a mountain lion that's like eight feet away, runs the other direction oh. there, where two adult mountain lions I don't know if spring mating season or what but came up on them and, and spooked them both and they went to opposite sides of the trail and uh. just promptly disappeared oh and my gosh. I picked up like a softball you know size rock in one hand and a club size stick in the other and proceeded to run <laughs> and scream for the next like three and a half miles until Dude. I felt like mm-hmm. I was you know, in the clear enough, like getting back towards civilization. I want
1: to see the heart rate data from that. Run. I was going to oh say, my gosh, <laughs> dude it
2: was, yeah, well, we can, we can take no, a look afterwards. No <laughs>
1: wonder this, uh, cougar drawing is so spot yeah. on. Cause like yeah. you've, you're like, well, I've recently <laughs> seen <laughs> one of those. <laughs> it's like <laughs> between flash floods and cougars.
2: Yeah. Life scarce. you know, wow. it's all, it's all in the day.
0: Well, Jeff, seriously, this has been such a pleasure. Wishing you the best on race day. Thanks. You probably created some fans for this interview, too. Um, We're stoked for you. Thank you so much.
2: Thanks for having me, y'all. Thanks for everything you guys are doing for, for the sport.